What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 59 of the Default Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Palillo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman. And Core, it's Super Bowl week, man. I'm excited. I've been waiting for this ever since that last Sunday night when the Rams beat the 49ers. And we knew it would be the Rams and the Bengals. I'm definitely excited to preview this game, of course, go into it more in depth, really, than we have this season in any game, of course. It's the biggest game of the season, so we're going to give you that. And, uh, yeah, go around some of the league, talk about some of the league news, and, uh, yeah, I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, I mean, first week in a while well, without, without, any, uh, without any football. So, you know, it f- felt, a little b- felt a little bit different, but, you know, we're back this week. Unfortunately, it's the last, last Sunday of, uh, of the season. But, yeah, I mean, honestly, a little bit. A little bit happened this weekend and definitely uh, looking forward to getting into this uh, Super Bowl preview. Yeah, I didn't really know what to do with my Sunday, Core. I mean, there was just a lot of dead time. Uh, there was no football game, of course, to look forward to. It was definitely upsetting. I got I to gotta get used to that, clearly, because after the Super Bowl, obviously, this week, it's going to be a lot of a lot of empty Sundays going on. And I guess could, my Sunday could be a little bit more productive in certain uh-huh. people's eyes. But in my eyes, Core, productive Sunday, sitting on the couch for eight-plus hours watching the game. But, Core, let's talk about some of the league news. The head coaching cycle has finally wrapped up. The three guys that were hired – recently by the Miami Dolphins, the Houston Texans, and the New Orleans Saints. We'll start first court with the Miami Dolphins. They hire Mike McDaniel. He was a part of the 49ers. He's on the offensive side of the ball. He was a run game coordinator there. I'm not exactly sure if he had the title of the offensive coordinator. Besides the fact, he was the mastermind there, kind of under Kyle Shanahan. Like I said, worked a lot closely with Debo Samuel and developing the run game there. And as you know, San Francisco's run game is probably the best in the game schematically and just production wise. Uh, I think this is an awesome hire. I think a lot of teams recently have been looking for these offensive minded young head coaches and McDaniel, again, a guy who's worked under Kyle Shanahan for over 15 years, even dating back to like in Washington or even in Denver first and then in Washington. So yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can potentially do with Tua Tugavailoa. Uh, the Dolphins offensively were like, I want to say like they, they very like RPO heavy last year. A lot of short passes to guys like Jalen Waddle, but yeah, Waddle is somebody too who I cannot wait to see how McDaniel tries to get incorporated into this offense. So I'm definitely excited to see how he does down in Miami. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we were wondering why Brian Flores was fired um, by the Miami Dolphins. I guess. Um, I, I guess the Dolphins kind of wanted to switch it up. Obviously, Flora is a like a defensive-minded head coach, and looks like they're going to go in the other direction. I mean, the last two seasons for the Dolphins, I mean, they weren't they weren't bad, but obviously, like they didn't make the playoffs. They were like mediocre, like solid seasons. And I don't know. It looks like they're going to switch it up. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really um, excited to see how Mike McDaniel could uh, could work with with Tua, and obviously. Like you said, like he had Debo Samuel. I'm not saying Jalen Waddle's Debo Samuel, but I think Jalen Waddle is is a, could be a premier playmaker in this league. So I think, um, yeah, I think this is the year. If there's going to be a year, I think this is the year in 20, 2022, 2023 for Tua to take a leap under under McDaniel, an offensive minded head coach. And yeah, I think Jalen Waddle also already had a good rookie year. I think he takes another leap with this. So I definitely like uh, I definitely like the hiring a little bit of a personnel change so yeah I like it down in Miami to uh, change it up a little bit yeah for sure it seemed like the GM and ownership wanted to stick with two and really give him somebody that could work closely with him and get the best out of him that's something McDaniels already said to Tua over the phone I was watching like one of his conversations on Twitter or something like that with him so yeah I think that it gives Tua the best chance to kind of break out going into his third season I don't 
I think the jury's still out on Tua. Can he be a good quarterback in this league? I think some people would say he's maybe, I don't, I wouldn't say like slightly disappointed, but he hasn't like wowed people. I mean, it also doesn't help when in your draft class, you have guys like Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert who have been almost superstars already. And even Jalen Hurts, I'm not saying that Jalen Hurts has played better than Tua right now, but Jalen Hurts, a second round pick in that draft has also looked pretty good. So there's definitely a lot of pressure on Tua to kind of uh, hold up his end of the bargain in Miami. But I think that they wanted Brian Gable earlier. They missed out on him, but I think McDaniel is a huge, awesome consolation prize. I think he has potential to be a really good head coach in the national football league. And I agree with you. I think when they fired Flores, it almost seemed like, like if they were to go down the path of maybe another defensive minded coach, it's like, then why did you fly fire Flores? Like, at least if you're going to move on from a guy who probably shouldn't have gotten fired, you're going to go in the complete opposite direction. So I think that was a pretty smart move by them. Two other head coaches that got hired core lovey Smith hired by the Texans and Dennis Allen by the new Orleans saints. Both of these guys were working on the defensive sides of the ball for their respective teams last season. And they get a promotion. I think both of them justifiable. I know lovey Smith and Dennis Allen actually both have previous head coaching experience. I was a little surprised with the lovey Smith hiring. I thought that maybe if you're going to promote from within, maybe stick it out with David Cully, who was the head coach last year, who got fired only after one season, but uh, Dennis Allen too, with kind of how the saints were left by Sean Payton kind of uh, abruptly. I think it was the right move to maybe just promote him, get some continuity in that system. But both of these guys, like I said, getting second or maybe even third chances as a head coach in this league. And uh, hopefully for their sake, they can kind of turn it around and make the, make a better name for themselves. Yeah. I mean, Lovey Smith's obviously uh Guys, guy's been around for, for a little bit of time. I know I remember him uh, obviously as the Bears, Bears head coach. And, and then he went to co- like went to college and coached Illinois. I mean, he had some had some good seasons with the with the Bears. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, like the Houston Texans, I think right now, I don't think anyone's expecting this team to win games. I mean, hopefully like next year they could be a little more competitive. I think they played some they played hard in some games. I mean, maybe they could see if Davis Mills is the guy, but yeah, I mean, uh, Lovey Smith wasn't really a guy I was expecting to be hired as a head coach, but I mean, I don't necessarily have a problem with it, but yeah, I mean, Dennis Allen, I kind of like, um, just promoting him, obviously, um, defensive coordinator, uh, see like the Dolphins go offensive. Like I think uh, the Dolphins, I think have better offensive talent than like the Saints. Like right now, I think with this, what the Saints have right now at, at quarterback and just like their skill position guys, like you don't really got that many weapons on the offensive side to like go in the, go in the direction of an offensive head coach. So I think for them to promote their defensive coordinator to head coach and like kind of keep this like a defensive minded team, I could, uh, I, I kind of like that. So, I mean, both these hirings, I guess, I mean, Lovey Smith, I mean, not going to lie, it's not really like that relevant of a hire, but Dennis Allen, I, I, I kind of like that hire. Yeah, I agree with you. I like what you said about the Saints really trying to keep that defensive identity because that, obviously they're going to want to be competitive next year, and they're definitely going to need to lean on their defense to do that. I think the biggest thing, too, I was reading up about with Lovey Smith is that with him being hired as the head coach, Pep Hamilton, their old quarterback coach there, will get promoted to their offensive coordinator role, a guy who was really sought after by a lot of different teams. He's worked in the past before with guys like Andrew Luck, as well as Justin Herbert, his rookie year. And a lot of people, he's like a quarterback guru. A lot of people have praised him. Davis Mills, he was pretty 
competent last year, especially when you compare Mills to the other rookie quarterbacks who were taking before him. I thought Mills definitely showed some flashes. So I think with Hamilton staying there, I think that was a big part of Smith possibly getting the job. And uh, yeah, I think the jury's still out for Mills too. And I think that he has now potential to grow into a capable quarterback and maybe even their franchise quarterback. Who knows what the future holds with guys like Deshaun Watson there. Core with the head coaching hires being filled. There are a couple guys that weren't hired this cycle. We got Brian Flores, of course, with the allegations going on with his lawsuit with the NFL. I think that was maybe one of the reasons why he wasn't considered. I think that maybe the Texans were a spot where he was going to go. They had to pivot off of that. But there were a couple other coaches, core that if you ask me, I thought they were going to be head coaches. I think big winners in this was Dallas. Dallas had Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn. Both of their coordinators seemed like they were at least going to get real consideration for jobs. They were both passed up. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well with Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles. They keep both of those coordinators. Eric Bieniemy, another coach who is going to stay, looks like he's going to stay again in Kansas City. I mean, he will stay in Kansas City for next year. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate these guys weren't given the head coaching opportunity, but they go back to their respective teams. They all had great seasons last year managing their sides of the ball. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, specifically for the Cowboys and the Buccaneers, I think it's uh, big-time wins that these guys are coming back to their buildings. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, yeah, I think the clear winner here is definitely the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, keeping – I mean, Kellen Moore, I know he's like 33 years old right now. And I don't know, I, I liked him as a as a offensive coordinator. Obviously, obviously, he's got the guys – he's got the guys to do. He's got Dak Prescott and really good skill position guys. But, I mean, he was a pretty creative play caller. And I think a guy like that is – like, guy like that are, are, like, destined, I think, one day to be a head coach. But I think for now, definitely win for Dallas. And obviously, Dan Quinn, um, yeah, I mean, that defense this year was was better was, – was the best it was in a pretty long time. So, I would say Dallas are definitely clear winners in this one. And then, I mean, Eric Bieniemy, uh I don't know. I just think, I guess, in, in Kansas City, he's got a good situation going. I don't know if he could have been hired by another team. Probably could have. But, yeah, I think he's got a good situation going down there in, in Kansas City. And then, I mean, Byron Leftwich, Todd Bowles, I mean, on Tampa, they, they keep their guys too. So, I guess at the end of the day, all these guys, like, they didn't get their – they didn't get head coaching positions, but they're all in good positions on their respective team and – yeah, I mean, they're all on good teams. So I think I think at the end of the day, like these guys staying where they are is uh is a win-win. I mean, obviously you want to be a head coach, but to stay where they are, I wouldn't say like they're still in a good situation, to be honest. Yeah, for sure. I think that hopefully, at least I should say, that their day comes to be a head coach and an organization believes in them enough to promote them to that role. Maybe it wasn't this offseason, but I mean, again, you have another great season. Add that to your resume. I'm sure that. I specifically, I don't know, Dan Quinn's the one guy who used to coach for the Falcons, did coach them, bring them to a Super Bowl, really. Again, it was an all-time choke away from being a Super Bowl-winning head coach. He comes into Dallas and really revolutionizes that defense. I'd be pretty shocked if Quinn has a great defensive year, again, in Dallas, if he wasn't on the top of many people's list next year to get a head coaching job. Core, we're going to spin it over to something I don't really love to talk about here, but the Pro Bowl was this past Sunday. Core, I barely watched it, I'll admit right now, but the parts that did watch it, I mean, we're not even tackling out there. I know the clip, of course, that's going viral, and I mean, I've seen it thousands of times is Sean Taylor lighting up Brad Mormon, a punter back in the day. And to see how far the Pro Bowl has come is kind of just upsetting. Look, I don't I like I get why some of these players don't um necessarily, you know what I mean? Aren't like complete full speed and full go. And I completely understand. I mean these guys just grueled out 17 games and in some cases even more with the playoffs. 
some of them are free agents the next month. Like nobody wants to get hurt in the Pro Bowl. So I'm completely fine with the players kind of like, I don't want to say dogging it, but yes, it kind of is dogging it. But I, I'm not sure. I think the NFL definitely has to address something to make it at least more entertaining because watching that, if you ask me, is just completely worthless. Like, I, I don't know. It's just not It's just not me. It, does, it just doesn't feel like football. And like, if you're going to almost be like, that way then maybe just play like like almost do like a seven on seven in a sense and let linemen like dr- do one on individual one-on-ones versus pass rushers or something like that maybe that would be pretty cool but i don't know like the way that the game was this year i don't really know like like viewership next year is going to absolutely be at an all-time low if it's anything close to what it resembled this year yeah i mean see like i know obviously like these guys are in pads i think I- i'm honestly totally with like i think this is not like the NBA or MLB where like the all-star game first, like off it, it first off, it doesn't happen mid season. Secondly, I mean, baseball and basketball, clearly not like, like football is very violent game. So I think after the season's over, with like no contracts being guaranteed, I don't really have like, a, like, I don't blame these guys for going out there, like not trying to like go full out and, like hit guys. I know I see like old guys like Deion Sanders saying like this is embarrassing stuff like that. I don't really have a problem with it. I just think like as a whole, it's it's just a pretty bad. It's just a pretty everything's pretty bad. I think I think a good idea like let these guys go out there. Like you said, I think seven on seven would be pretty good. I mean, let these guys I don't know play play flag flag football. I mean, I I know I think that'd be pretty fun to watch. Like I'd be down to see um, Tyree Kill play flag football like. Obviously, like you're still seeing, they're still playing out there. I mean, just not hitting. So I think that's definitely an idea. But hey, I think I'm giving too much, too much thought to the Pro Bowl. It's really not that big a deal. But I'm definitely uh, see why, like guys aren't out there laying guys out. I mean, Sean Taylor, obviously a legend. I don't think we'll ever see a hit like that again in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I listen. I don't know if I'm necessarily like even want, let's say, a seven on seven. But I'd rather the seven on seven than what we saw. Like, honestly, like, I, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people would just be like, yeah, I could do without the Pro Bowl. Like, announce the Pro Bowl teams or whatever. Like, that's an accolade on people's career resumes and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, like, who cares about the actual game? Because it doesn't really matter. I mean, last year, we didn't have a Pro Bowl. And who's losing sleep over it? Actually, nobody. I actually probably got more sleep that day because I didn't have to worry about watching the Pro Bowl. So, that's a good thing in its own right. But, yeah, I think definitely they have to look at something. It also doesn't help that, I mean, the MLB All-Star Game, like, it has the home run derby with it. The NBA All-Star Game has the whole weekend with the Rising Stars, the dunk contest, the three-point contest. I know they tried to incorporate some of that stuff this year, but again, it just didn't like – it just doesn't like completely fit, if you ask me. Maybe it just hasn't been around, and maybe as time grow, time goes on, it will get fixed, and maybe we'll become more accustomed to that type of stuff. But I don't know. I think that they definitely will look into the Pro Bowl a little bit this year and maybe try to fix it and just try to promote a better time for both viewers and both the players again because I think it's also unfair for the players too – like, I think Deion Sanders is in the right maybe to call out some of the players. But at the same time, I think it's unfair for the players to have to deal with the criticism because that's just the way that contracts are now. And that's just the way that the league is right now. And it's a lot more demanding of a season. You add another game to the league. And one of the players, like, now now you're going to start getting mad at the players because they don't want to play in the Pro Bowl after they just lost two in the play. Like, I don't know. And, and it's not even in Hawaii anymore. It's a whole different story. But with that just look over the Pro Bowl this week, and then we'll be done with it. Of course, the Pro Bowl couldn't be all good. It did lead to more bad news. Alvin Kamara, I believe it was either the day before the Pro Bowl or it was the day right after the Pro Bowl, 
was arrested. It's his future now, a little uncertain with New Orleans Saints. Obviously, we did mention that Dennis Allen was there as their new head coach, but definitely this situation is going to have to be addressed for Kamara and his foreseeable future. But yeah, I guess only time will tell as more stuff comes out. We'll definitely try to keep you guys posted with that. With all that being said, Core, we can finally bring it to the Super Bowl. I know not really a huge week of news in the football world, but we can finally talk about the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Los Angeles Rams. It'll be Sunday, February 13th, a 6.30 kickoff on NBC, which I'm excited for. I know that obviously they change the broadcast every year you know, between CBS, between Fox, and between NBC. But I like myself a little Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth game, so I'm definitely looking forward for them to at least call this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm open to, to those two guys, obviously. I mean, obviously it's not on NBC, but I think Romo – Oh, I think it was on it was on CBS last year. Romo yeah, and, CBS. Yep. Yeah, I think Romo and and uh, Jim Nance obviously are the two best. I mean, I think goes those two, Collinsworth, Michaels, and then probably you know Aikman and uh, Joe Buck. But yeah, I mean, I'm NBC should be a, a good call. Yeah, I hope so. And Core, we'll start first with kind of how both these teams got there and their preseason expectations, and we're going to talk with a team that really wasn't expected at all to be here. I mean, the Bengals finished the regular season 10-7 and in AFC North champs. And if they would have lost in the first round of the playoffs, people would have been a little upset. But the mood around Cincinnati would have still been like, all right, this team is growing. Like, we weren't really supposed to even win the division this year. And all of a sudden, we did. And hats off them, pat you guys on the back, and we're going to be ready for next year. And then they just go on this magical playoff run and they continue to win games. I mean, again, this is a team core that was picking fifth overall in the 2021 NFL draft. It's one of the best turnarounds from really in two-year turnarounds ever since Joe Burrow came in as the number one pick there in the 2020 draft. They added a lot of good pieces to their team this offseason. And uh, Trey Hendrickson, who's a pro bowler this year, 14 sacks, unreal. Jadobia Wuzier, a good corner. Mike Hilton as well. I mean, they brought in these veterans on defense and on offense. They let some of their stars develop. Like I said, Joe Burrow came back from his ACL injury, didn't miss a beat. And really, Jamar Chase, obviously, he's going to win Rookie of the Year in a few days. Uh, I mean, what a turnaround for the Bengals so far. Like I said, I'm not – obviously, they, like, this is a team that has shattered expectations, win or lose this game on Sunday. Yeah, pal, I mean, this is a team who, uh, who coming into the season had the same, same odds to win the Super Bowl as, as the Jacksonville Jaguars at, at plus 10,000. Like, that's honestly pretty crazy to think about, like, that one guy that – that just threw ten dollars on the Bengals to win the Super Bowl is a joke. I mean, the guy's got the guy's got a shot. So, yeah, I mean, shattered expectations. I, I think is an understatement. I think um, I think they've like, I think this is a team who like you looked at on paper this season, and you saw the offensive side. You you were like, I mean, they got some potential. Like, I don't, I I didn't even think coming into the year. Like, I thought the Bengals would be like a somewhat fun team to watch, but I, I, I didn't think they'd make the playoffs. I mean, honestly, like I thought they'd come in last place in their division. I don't think that's a bold statement. I'd say like you asked most people, like they thought they'd come in last place, but yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow turns out full year of play. He, 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 he's that guy, Joe, Joe Burr. Um, I think, yeah, I think he's a super, he, he, he already is a star, I think, but I think the future is really bright for him. And then you got, Obviously, Jamar Chase comes in, that LSU connection. T. Higgins took a leap. Obviously, Tyler Boyd as your wide receiver three is really good. You got a run game. And, yeah, I mean, they upgraded on the defensive side of the ball. Trey Hendrickson, 
Mike Hilton, Awuzie. Just like I think, um, yeah, I think the defense. I think we knew the offense had some potential. I think the defense taking a step up certainly was um was a big thing for this team. And yeah, I think win or lose. Obviously, Joe Burrow wants to get a Super Bowl. That whole team wants to get a Super Bowl. But I mean, win or lose, like you got to say, like the Bengals, I think are here to stay, and it's definitely a good season, win or lose. I mean, great season, win or lose, but obviously they want to finish it off. But, yeah, I'd say uh, the Bengals, I think, are here to stay for sure. Yeah, I mean, even their management too. I mean, they probably were – they were signing a lot of these veteran guys on defense, you know what I mean, kind of built their offense more through the draft and that with the hopes of that, all right, these guys are going to play together this year with Burrow's second year, and then maybe we'll be good this year, and then maybe in that third year and fourth year when Burrow's still on the cheap deal and stuff, we can spend even more money. And we're going to blossom, but it's happened almost a year early, that which is awesome for them. I think they were inconsistent at times in the regular season. I remember they won that big game against the Ravens early on, and then they got blown out the next week, I believe. It was against the Cleveland Browns. Or no, they lost to the Jets, I think, maybe the last the, the week. But whatever, they lost to the Jets and the Browns, I remember, they, they after they beat the Ravens and stuff like that. They, they just seemed very inconsistent throughout the whole season. And then towards the end of the year, they kind of really started coming into their own. They beat the Ravens and the Chiefs back-to-back weeks. And that was really when you started to look at this Bengals team and you were like, all right, maybe they are more than like just this inconsistent young team that they've been given credit for. So an awesome season for the Bengals core. Like I said, shattered expectations, win or lose. The same can't be said for the Rams and their expectations. I mean, when Matthew Stafford was acquired just over a year ago, it was Super Bowl or bust for this team. And their ceiling, like I said, under Jared Goff, wasn't what it is now under Stafford. There were times, too, even down the stretch this season where they looked a little inconsistent, turned the ball over a lot, played in a lot of close games, but they started really clicked it into their own. Obviously, that first playoff game, they were dominant against the Cardinals. The second game, just turned the ball over a lot in the second half. They were able to escape Tampa Bay. And then in the NFC Championship, able to come back against San Francisco and host the Super Bowl again for the second straight year for a team to do that. Uh, yeah, listen, I think it's – Stafford has elevated this team. Like I said, I think their defense has also been great under Raheem Morris's first year there. And Sean McVay, ever since he took over for the Rams in 2017, has just been lights out. I mean, the guys made the playoffs all but one year. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they're definitely hoping that they finally get a ring there. Yeah, I mean, I think for the Rams here, um, yeah, I think – I'm going to say, like, I think the, the difference is obviously the Bengals in this game obviously they want to win, but – you could kind of say the Bengals – I mean, Joe Burrow probably doesn't say it, but, like, you kind of say it with everything going on. They, they're kind of playing with house money. I mean, this game is in Los Angeles, so they kind of, like, they're playing on their home turf. It's not like this game is in another stadium. This isn't at the Rose, but, like, you're playing on your home turf. I think all the pressure's on the Rams, but I think the Rams, at the end of the day, in this one, are the better team. Uh, throughout I, – I think the Bengals were inconsistent. I mean, I, I mean the Rams also went through – a little bit of like a losing streak in this season. But I mean, the Buccaneers did the same thing last year. I mean, the, the Rams acquired a lot of new talent, like throughout the year, it took a little bit to, um, to get acclimated. I think, I think they lost to green Bay on the road. Then they like dismantled the Jaguars. I think the game where like, I felt, um, yeah, the Rams kind of like kicked it in the gear was when they beat the Cardinals who at the time were, were, were kind of good. And then they kind of fell off the Cardinals. But, yeah, I think that game was kind of like, yeah, I think the Rams are here. And then then they kind of, like, rattled off a few wins to end the season. And, yeah, I think on paper, if if the Rams play up to what they can, I I think they're they're the best team in the NFL. And they should win the Super Bowl, to be honest. So, 
Yeah, I mean, Matthew Stafford coming in, Sean McVay obviously done a great job. I think going into the season, it was kind of Super Bowl or bust. And then the additions they made throughout the seasons, Odell, Von Miller, definitely made it um, Super Bowl or bust. So, yeah, I think the Rams definitely um, – the pressure's all on them to win the Super Bowl, and I think I think they're up for it. So, yeah, I think this team obviously went through some uh, – Went through some growing pains, but I think right now they're they're peaking definitely at the right time. Yeah, listen, we mentioned a lot last episode about like Super Bowl windows and stuff like that. I think the Bengals maybe their Super Bowl window is kind of maybe it's not maybe it's cracked. Obviously, since they're in the Super Bowl, it's cracked. But even before the season, you know what I mean? Maybe they're a little bit before the Super Bowl window right now. I mean, the Rams are right smack in the middle of it right now. It's like this year, next year, and who knows really after that? They have to almost get one for them to kind of justify maybe some of the moves that they've made and spending all of their money. But you're right, that game that they went on the road and beat Arizona on Monday Night Football was definitely kind of like really the turning point. All right, maybe we're back and we're, we, we are the Rams of who we thought we were going to be at least in the preseason and with all those expectations around us. And then obviously they've gotten to the playoffs and they've been able to survive. And like I would agree with you in this sense. I think top to bottom, their roster is definitely better than the Cincinnati Bengals. And there's a lot more to lose for the Rams in this game than Cincinnati. Core, let's talk a little bit more about how these teams kind of got here through the playoffs. I mean, for the Bengals, if you ask me, it's almost kind of remarkable. Like I mentioned earlier, I mean, they beat the Raiders when the Raiders were driving late in that game. They got an interception on the goal line. And then back-to-back game winners by Evan McPherson, the first one against the Titans in a game where Burrow was sacked nine times. And then the Chiefs, they're down 21-3, to and they spark a miraculous comeback. Thanks to their defense, only giving up three points in the second half. I think that they're Offense, like I said, has done good. I don't think they've been great at any points in the postseason. I think Joe Burrow's made a couple great plays that have helped them. But their defense has done an excellent job this postseason of really playing together, especially it was on display against the Chiefs in that second half. I think they're going to have to do a couple things differently than they did in the second half because the Rams aren't built similarly to the Chiefs on offense in some ways. But, I mean, their defense, like you said, for for a team that like it's probably better known for their offense, what a performance that really was in the second half of that game. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think this Bengals defense. Um, yeah, I think they've done a great job this this postseason. Um, obviously, the Chiefs had a good good first half, but adjustments were definitely made in the second half to kind of like shut down Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, a really really difficult thing. I think I think the thing of the Bengals is though. They've, I know against the um, – I mean, obviously last game, they kind of got off to a slow start. Um, against the Titans, they were kind of winning that game. Against the Rays, they were kind of winning that game. But, like, I think if they – like, I think a key to this game is, like, you can't really get off to a slow start against against the Rams. I think – I know they – I know the Rams blew, like, a lead against uh, the 49ers, like, week 17. But I know historically, like, Sean McVay winning at halftime – He's uh the guy's almost unbeatable. So I think for the Bengals, um, they they got to get off to a good start in this one, and yeah, I mean they've they've kind of got off to good starts in in the playoffs um this this year. But obviously that last game they kind of got off to a slow one, down twenty one to three. I think you get down twenty one to three against the Rams, it, it, you're I don't think they're coming back again. So I think for sure you got to come out the gates and um yeah you can't really start off slow. I think. It would be big if, if the Bengals get it like on the board first and um go ahead in this game. I don't know how the crowd's gonna be, but yeah, obviously they've done a really good job this postseason. I think for them to continue it, they gotta get off to uh get off to a lead here. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, McVeigh's record when leading before halftime, I believe 
I know he has one loss for sure, and it was that Week 18 game against the Niners. I think he has about 40-plus wins for sure. Like, that is unheard of. Uh, going against a guy, too, and Zach Taylor, the Cincinnati Bengals head coach, who he's worked closely with in the past. Taylor was on his staff, I believe, in 2017 and 2018, and then was hired by the Bengals in 2019. So a lot of familiarity there. And, yeah, the Bengals are definitely going to want to get out, which they've done in certain games. If they don't, they're going to need a comeback like they had similarly in Kansas City. For the Rams side of things, kind of a jack of all trades in the sense of, like, they've done everything. I mean, they blew out the Cardinals. They got up early in that game and didn't look back. But in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, they got up early and – almost gifted the Buccaneers a chance in that game with those four turnovers. The 49ers, they erased a 10-point deficit in the fourth quarter. So they've kind of proved they're comfortable from playing in a lot of different ways. You can't really count them out if they get out early. Similarly to the Bengals, they've shown that they can play with a lead or they've shown that they can come back in a game. So I think that that will definitely be interesting for the Bengals core. Let's kind of get more into what we think each team needs to do to win this game. And I'm going to start first with the Cincinnati Bengals. I think one area that they're definitely going to need to step up is their run game a little bit. Their run game has looked a lot better, or excuse me, looked a lot better in the regular season than it has in the playoffs. Conversely, on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, I know Kansas City's not really known for running the ball and stuff like that. And the way that they were playing Kansas City last week, they were kind of asking Kansas City to run the ball a lot in the second half, would drop eight into coverage. Kansas City averaged almost six yards a carry on the ground. I mean, if the Rams... The, the, like if you're going to give the Rams those running lanes, the Rams will run wild over you. Yes, Matthew Stafford loves to throw to these guys like Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham Jr. take shots down the field, but the Rams' identity is a zone run. Cam Akers will have a field day if the Cincinnati Bengals aren't able to stop the run. So, I mean, for them, they're going to have to win up front defensively for sure. I think that is a big area. If they can make the Rams more one-dimensional than they want to be, I think that gives them a good shot defensively, at least to stop the Rams' offense. Yeah, I definitely like that. I think um, I think Matthew Stafford is, is he's going to get his yards through the air, but I think um, I think the run game, if if like they could, I'm not saying they could take it away, but yeah, you got to win that battle up front. Guys on the D line got to um, yeah, they gotta they gotta stop the run. I mean, Cam Akers, Sonny Michelle is a pretty good a pretty good duo. So yeah, I think for for the the Rams offense. When they're running the ball, it's just like it takes them to a whole nother dimension. I think, I think for them, they gotta, yeah, they really gotta get stop guys up front and can't really let um can't really let the Rams run like like the Chiefs were running in the second half. But I think another thing, obviously easier said than done. I think a big thing is gonna be the Bengals on offense. Like it, we all know, Joe Burrow gets sacked a lot. I think um, I'm not expecting. Like, I think Joe Burrow is probably going to get sacked a few times, but I think the Chiefs, I mean, the, the Bengals O line with how good the Rams D line is, I think you just got to get like, you just got to try to buy some time for Joe Burrow or get the run game going a little bit. I mean, Aaron Donald obviously up the middle is going to be tough, but yeah, I think obviously I'm not, I, I think on the, on the offensive side for the Bengals, I don't think they're going to win the battle in the trenches, but I just think it's like giving some type of time for, for Joe Burrow to let his receivers get open. He's got good skill good skill players on the outside. So I think that's also another um, big thing. Like I said, I'm not expecting um, that much time for Joe Burrow, but just like, like give him some type of time to throw the ball. So he could, uh, he could find his playmakers. Yeah, exactly. I think that's huge too. I mean, everybody is going to look at how that Cincinnati Bengals offensive line is able to keep Burrow upright, which is one reason why I also think that maybe running the ball for Cincinnati offensively will help them. 
I mean, two guys definitely that you'll circle out on Cincinnati. They're right, their right side of their offensive line, specifically their right tackle, Isaiah Prince, and their right guard it would be either Jackson Carmen or Hakeem Adenjai. Whoever it is, I mean, they're going to be taxed with either Aaron Donald, who really will more play. I mean, he'll move around in the interior, but Von Miller and Leonard Floyd, specifically on the outside, are going to draw a lot of pressure. So, uh, who's the, the Prince is the tackle he's stepping in for? Riley Reef who got hurt earlier in the season. He's definitely going to be somebody I bet you that the Rams look to target on the Cincinnati offensive side of the ball. You mentioned, too, getting the ball. Obviously, the Jamar Chase will be a big thing. But Jalen Ramsey, if you ask me, if I'm the Rams, I definitely want to shadow Chase with Ramsey. I know Ramsey sometimes likes to move inside, likes to really move around the field, not necessarily going to follow people. But I think with somebody as dynamic as Chase, Ramsey should for the Bengals side of things, if they do that, you have to get T. Higgins a little bit more involved. But if I'm the Rams, I'm definitely looking to take away Chase as one of my go-to game plans. Yeah, I mean, Chase, over 1,400 yards. I mean, he's just shown how how dynamic of a playmaker he is. So, yeah, I mean, I know how good the other receivers are on the Bengals. Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins are, uh, are no scrubs. They're really good receivers also. But I think with how good Jamar Chase has been all year, even in the playoffs, I think, when you got Jalen Ramsey, the best cornerback in the league, I, I agree. I think you got to shadow Jamar Chase. And, like, if you're going to let someone else beat you on the Bengals, like, it's got to be T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd. Like, you don't want Jamar Chase scoring 40-yard touchdowns or big gains. I think Jalen Ramsey versus Jamar Chase is gonna would, would be a great matchup. I, I like the confidence in both of them. Obviously, you know, Jalen Ramsey's confidence, he, he, never, he never shies any confidence. But uh, Jamar Chase also – kind of encouraging the matchup. So I really hope they that he shadows them because I think that'll be a really good um really good one-on-one battle. So yeah, I think that's something else the Rams got to do and let someone else beat them besides Jamar Chase. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I would also say that the Rams, I mean, we talked about the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line struggles obviously when the Bengals need to help protect Joe Burrow. I think the Rams should make sure that they send a lot of pressure and make Burrow uncomfortable. Yes, I know he won the game against the Titans where he was sacked nine times but he didn't have that same like confidence I want to say that he normally does in these games especially in that game against Kansas City they only got to him once in that game against Kansas City you have to be able to get pressure on him I know they have Aaron Donald up front they have Von Miller and Leonard Floyd as I've said on the edges I think that if they can get Burrow under distress early I think it could lead to maybe a it could be a long day for him I think they definitely have a chance they honestly might not even have to send a whole ton of pressure if they can consistently win sending only four or five guys I think Cincinnati could potentially be in for a long day and I think defensive coordinator of the Rams Raheem Morris is definitely going to try to scheme certain things up to get one-on-one matchups on the outside with his edge rushers because, I mean, you can't block Aaron Donald one-on-one. It just doesn't work. So there are going to be so many opportunities, if you ask me, in this game for either Von Miller or Leonard Floyd to step up and go get after the quarterback. I think that's definitely something the Rams want to do in this one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I mean, like on paper, like I feel like the Rams are just like a better team on really both sides of the ball. So, yeah, I mean, like if you can get one-on-one situations, I'm taking – Especially in the trenches, I mean, like offensive line versus defensive line. I'm taking the Rams. You give me, you give me Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, especially. I mean, like Leonard Floyd, Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, and Von Miller one on one against like any guy on the on the Bengals or line. Like I'm taking that. So I think the Rams, like you said, I, I like that. I think sending a lot of pressure will, um, 
yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't see the Bengals O-line really adjusting that much. I think, like I said, I don't expect Joe Burrow to sit back in the pocket and have like a lot of time to throw, but I think if the Rams send a lot of pressure, I don't know how much time they could, the Bengals online could provide for Joe Burrow. So I think a lot of blitzes in this one, a lot of lot, like heavy pressure sent. I think, I don't know. I think the Bengals will kind of struggle. I think that's gotta be the game plan for, uh, for the Rams. Yeah. I mean, the Rams too, last week, on the defensive side of the ball, only allowed the Niners run game to go for 50 yards on the ground, which is unreal too. So if you're the Bengals almost, I mean, yes, they struggle a little bit to run the football, but if, if you're getting a lot of pressure on you, I mean, you, you might have a tough, you might be in for a long day is what I'm trying to say on the offensive side of the ball. So the Rams definitely, if they could take away that pass game, they've shown that their run defense is very good, which is why the Bengals need to try to get rid of the ball out quick, maybe run a couple of screens to divert the pressure and, uh, yeah, try to win up front. I know this game is going to be won in the trenches, both offensively and defensively. The Rams, too. I mean, they haven't ran the ball as well as they had in the postseason. I have it right here. The Rams only averaging 2.9 yards a carry in the postseason. In the regular season, they were at four yards a carry. So that's a big difference right there. Cam Akers, I think we're going to X factors right now. I think he's a huge X factor in this one. I kind of mentioned there. Like, if they can establish the run, the Rams, it does so much for their offense. And, yes, Matthew Stafford's going to find Cooper Cup, of course. Cooper Cup's probably going to go for 100, an easy 100 yards. But if Cam Akers is around, I'm, I'm not even sure how much he'll go. I, I know he looks good. He's practicing and stuff, but he was a little banged up with his shoulder. Cam Akers and Sony Michelle, I'll kind of link those two guys together, can run for 110 combined yards. I think the Rams are sitting really pretty in what they want to execute offensively. And I think that puts the Bengals almost kind of behind the eight ball, maybe having to catch up in this game because the Rams are kind of controlling it on the ground. Yeah. I mean, I hate, I don't like to agree with you, but I'm on like the same thing. I think Cam Akers is definitely a big X factor. I was thinking a guy like Odell Beckham could be an X factor, but I just think like the Bengals secondary obviously doesn't really scare me. So like I, I expect Cooper Cup. Not, I'm not like I'm not saying he's gonna go for 200 yards, but I, I don't really expect like Cooper Cup to to be shut down or anything. So I don't really see Odell Beckham as much of an X factor. But the run game, I think, is certainly certainly an X factor because if I like like we said earlier, if the Rams could run the ball in this game, they're all, like like most teams, you're able to run the ball and throw the ball. Like your offense is just gonna be a whole lot better. And I think. If they can, if the Rams can get, I'm not even saying like, if Cam Akers could run for 50 plus yards, I think, I think the Rams win this game. I'm not even asking for that much because he's going to be splitting time with Sonny Michelle. But I think, I think Cam Akers definitely an X factor in this one coming off a torn Achilles. I don't know if he's 100%. I mean, he showed some, he has shown some bursts and like some, some things that like you look like, yeah, that's the Cam Akers from last year. I mean, I know uh, Buda Baker kind of got hurt, but like him, trucking kind of like like Buda Baker in uh in the first round of the playoffs like that that's a play like Cam Akers is capable of doing I think him in space obviously like last year he showed he was a playmaker so I think if he could um he could run the ball pretty efficiently I think the Rams definitely have a good chance to win this game yeah for sure I think another guy another young guy on their offense who I'm kind of Maybe Peg Moore's a farther X factor. There's a guy like Van Jefferson. They love to take a couple deep shots to him. I think that with a lot of attention going to be on Cooper Cup and even Odell Beckham Jr. after his big game last week, I think Van Jefferson maybe he gets only single coverage here and Stafford takes a shot to him. And who knows? That guy can fly. I'm definitely looking forward 
to that. On the defensive side of the ball, I've mentioned his name. I mentioned Von Miller, of course, who won an MVP, a Super Bowl MVP a couple years back with the Denver Broncos. Aaron Donald, of course, will get a lot of attention. So Leonard Floyd, I think he has the opportunity to have a huge game defensively for the Los Angeles Rams. Core, I stole yours for the Rams, so I'm going to let you take the floor for the Bengals. Who's one guy on the Bengals? Or even two, you can give me more, who you think has to have a big-time game in order for them to win this Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's that, to me, I don't think it's that difficult. I think if Jalen Ramsey shadows Jamar Chase, which I think he's going to, I think I think definitely an X factor is going to be T. Higgins and, and Tyler Boyd. I think they're, they're going to have to to get open and um, make plays because I, I think Jamar Chase will be able to get some catches, but it's obviously like I don't think he's going to, be able to they're going to try to limit his big plays I think they're going to try to make T Higgins and Tyler Boyd beat them so I think Joe Burrow is going to have to have to go to those guys those guys are going to have to make some big plays I would say I think it's like just pa- a lot of pass catch I mean Joe Mixon out of the backfield but yeah I think as a whole like if you want to beat the beat the Rams you're going to have to obviously throw the ball so I think yeah I think Tyler Boyd and T Higgins with um with Jalen Ramsey and Jamar Chase probably I think those guys definitely are uh are big x factors in this one yeah, and I got T. Higgins' name written down here. And even Tyler Boyd, a guy who had great success last year, kind of flying under the radar here. I think T. Higgins, too, is an extremely talented player in this league. I think he gets way too overshadowed because Jamar Chase is there. He has a ton of natural ability. I think that he needs to definitely have a big game. You're right, if Jalen Ramsey is following Jamar Chase. Another guy that I'll say on the Cincinnati Bengals will be Mike Hilton, their slot cornerback. He had a he did a great job covering Tyree Kill in the second half of that game. Hill didn't even have a catch in that half. He's going to be tasked with at least following Cooper Cup a little bit. And listen, you're not going to take Cooper Cup completely out of the game. I mean, the guy won the triple crown for receiving this year. But you got to at least try to limit him and limit the explosive plays out of him. You can't have Cup running up the sideline for a 70-yard touchdown like he did against Tampa Bay in the divisional round. You have to at least limit him. Hilton's one of the best slot corners in this league. And if they want to win, I think he plays a huge role. Core, one last thing I'll mention before we finally get into our game pick, the injuries. I think these two guys are both X-Factors for their respective teams. Both of the starting tight ends, CJ Uzoma for the Cincinnati Bengals and Tyler Higby for the Rams. They both left the championship games with knee injuries. What it looks like is that they're both, like if I had to say, Will they go or will they not go? From what I've read and stuff, it looks like they're leaning on playing, which is huge for both of those teams. Obviously, they're starting tight ends of each team. Their offense, I mean, the tight end sometimes is a quarterback's best friend. These guys have had success with their respective quarterbacks. So I think hopefully we're able to see both of these guys suit up and help their quarterbacks, maybe even catch a touchdown there. So I think that both of these guys, their, both their offenses need these guys out there help. Yeah, I mean, tight ends, like you talk about, like a t- like. I feel like a tight end kind of does go under the radar a lot. I think both these guys um, definitely could help their um, their respective offense. Because, I mean, like both these guys are like solid pass-catching tight ends, but like neither one of them are like Travis Kelsey or George Kittle, where like they're going to attract that much attention. But like they could, they could hurt you if like you don't pay that much attention to them. And that, so I think both these guys, I think I'd say it's definitely bigger for uh, C.J. Uzumoa to, uh, to play in this one. Because I think the Rams, like you said, I think the Rams are just a better team this one. So I think when you're when you're when you're like against the odds, like the Bengals are, you kind of need to be more healthy. So mm. I think both these guys are key. But yeah, I think Uzumoa going would be pretty big. I don't know. Drew Sample is a guy's name. I've I've literally never I haven't heard all year. I don't even know if that guy's been 
been playing. I mean, he's still there. He's still there. I know he's still there. I know he's still there. But like, Uzumoa seemed like he's just taken over as like the predominantly pass catching tight end. So yeah, I think that would be big if if he can go for for the Bengals. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that sample maybe has taken a little bit more of a backseat. I believe Uzoma got hurt earlier in the year. Like, yeah, it did get hurt a little earlier in the year last year. So Sample kind of stepped into that role and uh, really hasn't been able to retake it this year. With all that being said, Core, we are finally up to the good part, Core. Kind of give you our game preview for this game. The Rams are four-point favorites here. They are technically the visiting team. They'll be in white. The Bengals are wearing their black jerseys in this one. Core, I'll start it with you first. I want how you think maybe the game's going to go, where you think people are going to win, certain players who are going to have good games. I want a score prediction out of you, Core. I want to pick at the spread. Well, you don't have, you know what I mean. That goes hand in hand. And Core, of course, I want a Super Bowl MVP. Let's hear it. Yeah, I mean, I think in this one, I just like I'm honestly rooting for the Bengals. I just think I just think the Bengals are. I mean, I just think the Rams are going to be too much. I think I just think their defensive line. Like I said earlier, I think. The Bengals are going to have to give some time to Joe Burrow, but do I think that's like going to happen? I think, think after a while during this game, eventually, like I think it's going to be a little bit too much for uh, for the Bengals O line to keep up. So I hope this game's pretty competitive. I think I think it'll be competitive, honestly. But I don't know. I'm definitely going to side with the Rams minus four in this one. Um, I'm going to go with the score prediction of twenty-seven to thirteen. I think. My Super Bowl MVP, I hate to – I don't know. I think – you know, I think in this one, I could I could go simple and be like Matt Stafford. But, like I said, I think that the Rams' D-line is going to be big in this one. So, I think Aaron Donald is, is the Super Bowl MVP. I think he gets three sacks. I think Von Miller and Leonard Floyd also apply a lot of pressure. I think Matthew Stafford does throw for, for like 250-plus yards. But I think – Aaron Donald and the Rams D-line's impacts can be felt so heavily that I think uh, Aaron Donald gets a Super Bowl MVP and the Rams uh, and the Rams win the Super Bowl in this one. Yeah, Core, listen, the Rams, they were my preseason pick. I remember even when Stafford got traded there, I was so excited because Stafford's a quarterback who I always liked and Sean McVay, I think so highly of him. I thought those two guys paired together would be great and they have so far. But like we said earlier, I mean, it was Super Bowl or bust for this team. And yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be able to win up front, both offensively and defensively. And when you can control the line of scrimmage and you have an elite quarterback and you have the best receiver, who, or at least who's playing like the best receiver in football in Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham Jr. on the other side. I mean, it's a huge recipe for success. I agree with you. I think that they're just going to get too much pressure on Burrow. And I think that with Jalen Ramsey as well, you could try at least take away Jamar Chase as much more than any other team can do. So I think with that being said, I think the Rams top to bottom are just too talented. They have compared to even Cincinnati's roster. Cincinnati has had a great run. They've kicked four field goals though in all three of these games. At some point, it's almost like it's not going to keep up with you. You know what I mean? It's not sustainable to keep winning that way. With that being said, Core, I'm going to go with the Rams winning the Super Bowl. I'm going to go by the score of 30 to 14. I know it's kind of close to yours now. I didn't think we'd have – I thought maybe you'd go with a little bit of closer game, but I think maybe they throw three touchdowns. We get three field goals on the board for 13 for 30 total points. But with my MVP core, I'm going to be chalk. I'm going to go with Matthew Stafford. I think he throws for about three touchdowns in this game in that scenario. And, yes, while I do think Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and Leonard Floyd and company and that D-line is going to get a lot of pressure, I think at the end of the day they're going to want to give it to the quarterback. They're going to want to give it to Stafford, the guy – who was traded his first year in L.A. in Hollywood 
away from Detroit, he gets that coveted Super Bowl ring. And, I mean, look, this game means a lot, too, if you ask me for Sean McVay. I know Zach Taylor's still a young and up-and-coming coach in the league. I mean, yes, he's going to the Super Bowl. I still think he's got a little, like, time to prove himself as a worthy coach. But I think Sean McVay right now, to this point, it's almost like, all right, like, you're talked about as one of the best coaches in the National Football League. Like, let's see that ring to show for it. He's already 0 for 1 in a Super Bowl, kind of really got shut down in that Patriots Super Bowl. So this is definitely a big moment for the Rams. We mentioned it earlier that all of the pressure is on the Rams and they're even in front of, we'll probably will be a split crowd, but they're in their home stadium. I think it's, I mean, a lot is a lot of riding on the line for the Rams. But I think that they're one of these teams, they're talented enough. I think when they're at their best, they are the best team in the National Football League. And I think that justice will be served and the Los Angeles Rams will be victorious and win Super Bowl 56. Core, with all that being said, we have finally wrapped up what looks like our 2021-2022 season with this Super Bowl preview. I mean, you got anything else? Mm, not really. I mean, maybe some – there's some some props out there. Uh, anyone looking to bet on the game, I guess, just should be should be a fun, fun, fun game, fun event. So, Super Bowl never, never really fails. So, definitely looking forward to another Super Bowl. Just said it's probably it, – what am I saying probably? It's the last – Less um less football Sunday of the year until uh until September. So definitely um should be should be a fun game to to watch and everything that goes with it. Yeah, listen, Super Bowl Sunday, always one of the best days of the year for sure. So go out, have some fun, watch the game and enjoy it. And uh yeah, hopefully it's it's unfortunate that the season has to come to an end, but hopefully we're treated to a real good Super Bowl. With all that being said, Core, that is it. For this episode, be sure to check us out on Instagram at the deep ball underscore. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.